welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park, where we are disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. Of course, I'm Pastor Aaron, and today we're continuing our series on Kingdom Perks. We're talking about the many benefits that we have by following Christ, and so far uh, we've talked about we have the benefit of God's purpose in our lives, His provision for our lives, and His protection over our lives, which is amazing incredible perks that we have for following Christ. And today we uh, continue that up with another amazing benefit that we have by following Jesus. But first, our memory verse, which hopefully today is something that uh, is beginning to stick with your heart and mind. But if not, don't worry. Uh, we can begin uh, by saying it together now. So here we go. Three, two, one. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Christ, Ephesians 1, 3. What are those blessings? Well, some of those that were read to you today, aren't those amazing promises and blessings? Yeah, we get those in Christ. All right, let's say it again. Here we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1, 3. All right, last time, let's test ourselves. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1.3. Oh, that's awesome. Now, on your connection card, there is a memory verse card that's perforated. You can tear that off and take that with you. It's important to remember these promises uh, because, as uh, we talked about even today and during our worship time, that these promises of God are not false, they're not weak, they are something that helps uh, us stand through the difficult times of life. And sometimes it's important to remember that we have received not just some of the promises of God, but every one of them in Christ. How awesome is that? All right, let's we'll talk about one of those promises and one of those benefits that we have today, and that is peace. All right? And uh, we live in a time that lacks peace. If you, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's... An anxiety-producing era that we live within. There, of course, is an anxiety pandemic about. A lot of people are struggling from that. A lot of the illnesses that people are struggling with in our society right now can be related to stress and brought back to, or at least uh, made even worse by stress uh, and the anxiety of just living in this world. And that's why one of the greatest things that we have, uh, one of the benefits that we gain in Christ is that we can have the freedom from that. We can have peace. Now, what is peace? Let's define that so, so we can understand what we're talking about. Peace is not just everything going hunky-dory. Peace, best defined, is freedom from disturbance, right? So if you see peaceful waters, there's nothing making them splashy, right? No disturbance. And if you have a peaceful heart, there's nothing in there making it all splashy. There's just no disturbance. So what is disturbance? Well, disturbance is understood or best, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the disruption from a healthy state. So something in our life is healthy. When we're healthy in our heart and our mind and everything is good and nothing's disturbing that, we have peace. But when something comes into our heart or our soul or our life that messes up that healthy state, we are disturbed. And so when we look at peace, uh, we understand that peace in our life then is it's not that uh, we've maintained this. I don't know if anybody has ever lived their life staying in a perfectly healthy state their entire life, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all that. When we gain peace, it's a regaining 
and then a maintaining of that healthy state. That's why it's a gift of God, because all of us come from a place of being disturbed. And then we look at what are the disruptions that we have in life? What does the removal of a healthy state look like? Well, the most obvious is war, right? When we have war, it's pretty unhealthy for everybody. But on a smaller level, on a micro level, even in our own households, it looks like arguments and fights and drama between people that we love. And I would say even in a, in a, in a more uh, uh, intimate level, inside of our own hearts, it's when we have a disruption of love even in the self, that we're at war within our own hearts and minds. We do what we don't want to do. We do what we don't want to do. We live with guilt and shame. We, we live with regret. This disruption. And the amazing thing that we have in Christ, one of the benefits is that he takes us from that unhealthy state and he restores us back to a place of, of peace. How does he do it? Well, it's a threefold process that covers all of who we are. And it starts with God giving us back peace with him. This is huge. That we start with the fact that we, we have this gift of peace with God because we as humans are by nature at war with God. It happened all the way back in humanity at the very beginning when God created us and, and in the garden and everything was good. And then he placed that tree there, which was for us, the knowledge of good and evil. And we ate from that. And we hijacked ourselves and humanity from God. That this world is under a curse because this world lives and exists in rebellion to his rule. In fact, if you want to properly define sin, it's best defined as an act of insurrection against the most holy God. Which is why we find in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has committed an act of insurrection against God. Every one of us has done things that we thought we wanted to do regardless of what God said. All of us have played the Lord, right? All of us have, have done what we thought was right in our own eyes. In fact, that was the lie of Eden, wasn't it? That the serpent came and tricked Adam and Eve and said, you know, did the Lord really tell you not to eat from this? You die, right? Surely if you eat from it, you're not going to die. But the Lord knows if you eat from this, then your eyes will be opened and you will know good from evil. And knowing is not just like, oh, I understand. It's biblical knowledge is to experience, to engage in, or even to enjoy sin. And the knowledge of good and evil was to be like God, to define for ourselves what we say is good and what is evil, regardless of what God says. That's why it's insurrection. This is why it's impossible for the the sinful person, the person that is, maintains, or a faithless person that is outside of God's uh, control, who is not repentant, for them to do anything that is right. Even when they do something that God would agree with, they're not doing it because God says so. They're not living under their, His rule. They're living under their own. And we do this all the time, don't we? Which of us has never followed our own heart? Which of us has, all, has never done something that we said is right, even though we know that God says it's probably not good? Every one of us lives in this insurrection, in this rebellion against God, and there are consequences for that rebellion. God's judgment is a real thing. It's, it's not fake. And when we look at the flood, where God wiped out all humanity over the earth, that was a pretty big thing. 
And what's the evidence of that? Well, billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth. But if the fossil record isn't enough to give us pause for just a moment and say maybe there is a consequence for standing in opposition to the creator of the universe, we can look even to Sodom and Gomorrah. That these cities, in fact, it wasn't just two, it was five cities that were in such opposition to God that he eventually wiped them out with brimstone, which is burning sulfur from heaven and rained down on it. And you know what? In the Dead Sea, you can find millions of these little sulfur balls, brimstone, buried in the rock where it burned through the sandstone and encapsulated itself around in there and burned the rock itself and torched it. That God's judgment is not just some spiritual thing for out there. God's judgment is real and is hot and is powerful and is terrifying. That if you go to war against God, he's got bigger guns than we do. And that should terrify us to know this, that the judgment that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah is a foretaste of what God has in store for those who maintain enmity between them and him. In fact, what we read in 2 Peter is God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Faith is not a joke. We're not up here to having a song and dance time. Do you understand? God's not just some fluffy teddy bear up there that's just some Santa Claus that's going to do what you want. And if he doesn't do what you want, well, then he's going to be so upset when you walk away. If you stand toe-to-toe against God, you will be burned, flattened for eternity. This is the state of humanity. This is not a joke. That The judgment is coming. And every one of us deserves it. Which is why it's so good that God has offered us a different way. That I deserve God's wrath. We deserve God's wrath. But we reserve, we recognize that God has provided terms of peace. For it says in Romans 3.23, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God, yes. And get this, are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. If that doesn't move you, to gratitude, to humility, to joy. We look at the consequence of sin and know that 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 wrath fell on Christ himself so it doesn't have to fall on us. In fact, in this passage and the verse right after this, we find some powerful ways that God brought this peace, how he brought us peace between us and him. And the first thing it says there is that we are justified. Do you know what that means? It's a legal term where we are declared not guilty. And the reason we are declared not guilty is not because we didn't have guilt, but because the penalty for our guilt was paid for. Much like if you have a criminal who commits a crime and then they pay their, they, they do what they need to do, they're punished. And then they're set free. And why are they set free? Because they are no longer guilty because the punishment for their crime has been paid for. It is the same for you and me. We were guilty before God. In fact, 
And I'm not proud to say this, but I know I'm not alone. I'm not done sinning yet. Right? Like, I'm still living in, in rebellion against God at times. And that's not something I'm proud of, but it's a reality. And yet all of my sins, past, present, and future, all of the crimes I have and will commit against God have been paid for fully in Christ. And because they have been punished, it would be unjust for God to punish them again. I am declared not guilty. I have been justified. I was unjust, and now I'm back and justified in a right standing before God. And that is amazing, but it goes beyond this. It says that we were justified freely, and by the way, that freely is a great thing, that I didn't have to earn this justice, that is something that I can accept, that I can receive from God as a gift, but that I was justified by what? It was through the redemption that came in Christ Jesus. Now, redemption is, is this purchasing back, that when I... When I went into rebellion, regardless if I inherited Adam's sin or I just was, I was just infected by a sin nature, the reality is, is that I sin. And when I did that, I, I sold myself to the enemy side. I made myself part of God's enemy camp, right? I'm, I'm not part of his family. I'm not part of, I'm in a rebellion against him. And God did something, Christ did something, as he bought me out of that. He purchased my freedom from the bondage of sin that I sold myself into. Can any one of us free ourselves from our sin? You can try. Well, we find that in our life, that person is going to try to just be a perfect person all on their own, in their own power. It's a futile way of living, isn't it? And what's the best that humans can do? is we can create religious systems which are basically like cages, that we have these safety rules that we put around ourselves, the little beast inside, so it doesn't escape and go out and do naughty things. And that's what religion is. That's why there's all the no's. There's the thing, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, right? Because if we were free, we would do all those bad things. So we lock ourselves in these little tiny religious cages, but we're still the beast inside, now understand what, what God has done for us is he's purchased us out of the cage. And he's going to do something different with us. But the very first thing is that he has the right to do something with us because he's purchased us. That we have been redeemed and because we are now God's, he paid the price for our justification. We are now justified before him. And what was that price? Talks about the next verse. That God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. That's the price of redemption. That there was a high price to purchase us out of the guilt of shame and sin. That God himself had to die on a cross, had to take the wrath of God, had to take the full punishment for not just all of my sins, but of all sins for all time so that we could be redeemed. This is why Christ had to be a God. This is why he had to be the God. Humans, I don't have the ability to pay for more than one of my sins. The penalty of sin is death, and that's when I forfeit my life, and I've only got one of those. But God has infinite life. 
And when God laid down his infinite life, he paid for an infinite amount of sins. And I know that we can be naughty, but infinite sins? There is no way humanity can ever reach that level. Which is why it was so essential that, that Christ, who was man so he could die, was also God. He's the only one who could have done it. And he purchased us out of our injustice. But you know what's even better than that? Is that sacrifice of atonement, if you go back into the Greek and then you look at like the, the, what that word really means, it means propitiation. And you know why it's not translated propitiation up here? It's because like most of you, I had no idea what that meant. It's not a word we use. But sacrifice of atonement really means propitiation. And propitiation means it's a turning away of wrath. What it means is this, is all the anger of God was turned towards Christ and he expanded all of his wrath on Jesus, all of it. So there's no wrath left for you. That's what that means. It's a relational reunion. It's an amazing thing where God's not up there holding a grudge against you, meaning like, well, I guess you are justified. Have you ever done something, somebody's done something wrong to you and it made you really mad? Never? This never happened to anybody? Just me? I mean, I have people cut me off in traffic and I get mad. Well, God has real reason for anger. Look at the wicked things that we do. Do you think that it doesn't affect him? He doesn't get mad about these things. And yet, all of that anger was expended upon Christ. God can't be mad at you any longer. That's what sacrifice of atonement means. That we have been justified. We have been redeemed. We have been propitiated. And the result of this, Romans 5, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We went from a deeply unhealthy state. Nothing can be more unhealthy for the soul or the body or the spirit than to be at war with God. And we have gone from that unhealthy state and have been restored to a healthy state between us and God because we have been justified. Think about that. If you ever thought you had a bad week, you have a good week now, God's not mad at you. God's not against you. God loves you so much. He has purchased you at a high price and values you dearly. He's got a lot invested in you, and he loves you, and he is for you, and he is not against you. You are at peace with God, which gives us not just rest for the hereafter, and I don't have to worry about death, but I'm also not so afraid about life now. Because my God is not against me. And we've seen some of the benefits that come from that. That he gives us purpose in our lives and for our lives, right? That he, that he provides for our needs now. That he protects us in this life. Which is why we don't just have peace with God, but that peace with God then goes in and God gives us a peace within that we can have something that all the religions have strived for thousands of years to produce, that God gives us because it starts at the source. Do you remember that, that it, where it says in, in Romans, it says the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is peace. Do you, do you remember that when we read in scripture a few months ago, how powerful that passage is? That God allows us to step from this place of death which is unhealthy, to a place of, of peace? How does it work? 
Remember, remember last week when we, we talked about the, the nature of, of how God made us, spirit and body, and how the two come together and make our soul, and our, and our body is subject to this natural world and the natural laws, which is why you can't fly, right? And the spirit is subject to the spiritual laws, right, which, which affects us, like the moral laws and all those things, the spiritual world right there, and the two come together and make the soul. And that we recognize that God has given us now a new spirit, And that spirit now goes from being unhealthy, it comes to a place that is now at peace with God. But I don't know, but all of us too, whilst we were in this room, we also have a body, and and our body is still subject to this fallen world, which is why our bodies get sick and they eventually all die. None of you is going to hopefully sit in that body for a thousand years. Can you imagine how awful that would be? But it's also why the things of our body, we have this war within us because our spirit wants to, to live according to the ways of God. We're at peace with him. But our flesh is still in a world that is accursed and, and still has this wrong focus. There's nothing wrong with the flesh. God made it. But we're still awaiting for our flesh to be redeemed. We get new bodies and a new world. And so our minds and our hearts, right, which is our soul, are impacted by both, which is why so many of us feel tension all the time in our life, a little bit, right? There's a little conflict. How am I going to live? And that passage, what I just read, that says the mind that is governed by the flesh leads to what? Death. But the mind governed by the spirit leads to peace. And so it depends upon what we're focusing on, what we are centering our lives around. It will then allow our hearts and our minds, whether to be at peace or to continue to be at war. Look what happens if we live according to the flesh, right? We live according to the flesh and we do the things that our body wants. We we have these desires in our body that have no idea what's right or wrong. So uh, things like, you know, we want to have... pleasure, we want to have, uh, you know, maybe that leads us to greed, maybe it leads us to lust, maybe it leads us to, to murder, who knows, right? We want to get rid of all the nasty people that we don't like or whatever, right? Our body has desires. And if we just focus on those things saying, if I want to, to please my body, this becomes the most important thing in my life. I become very selfish and I live for myself as though I was the king of the universe, right? And I go to war with everybody who goes to war against me. And what happens is that becomes something that begins to infect my soul. My thinking and my attitudes, my heart, my mind, my will starts to then live for and focus on the things of this earth. Right? My, my very thoughts are like, well, here's this person who had the audacity of cutting me off in traffic. How dare they? They should die. Right? Because I'm the most important one and my time's the most important. Right? Or I'll do stupid things like this is my career and I don't care who I have to step on and who I have to hurt or who I have to be nasty to. I'm going to get to the top of their career because it's about me. Right? And that gets my mind and my heart is all tied up into these things. And what happens is because this world is broken and everybody in this world is at war with one another, just watch a nature show. Even animals hate each other, right? What happens is and I have a conflict in my heart and my mind. It becomes everything is focused on what leads to death. And if I continue to live in this, it impacts my spirit. It puts me at war with God. His desires are at odds with mine, and my spirit wants the opposite of what God wants, which is why in Hebrews we're warned not to live like this, not to have high-handed sin against God. And our spirits themselves would be disrupted. But if we live a different way, 
if we recognize that God has given us peace in our spirit, that we already have peace with God, and we focus on that, and we put our minds on what Caleb read, right, on what is right and what is pure and what is noble and what is good, and we focus on the things of God, and we remind ourselves that, that He is our provision, and He is our protection, and He is the one that gives us purpose, and we focus our lives on those things, and we build our lives on what He has, guess what happens? It impacts our hearts and our minds, which is exactly what Philippians 4 says. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And guess what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we live at peace, in the Spirit, when we live according to the mind governed by the Spirit, is a mind that will be at peace with God. And God then protects our hearts and our minds. That's our soul. If you want to have peace with God, and you, want, you come to Him in justification. If you want to have peace within, you focus on what God wants us to live for. Right? You can't have two masters. You can't live for the world and, and for God. Jesus talked about that pretty clearly. He says you can't love both God and money, right? But money is one of the many things in this world that we can make our, our alternate God, isn't it? If we focus on God, if we worship Him, if we set our, our, our lives around Him, then we gain this peace within, our very soul level deep peace. And the result of that peace there guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The thinking and the motives and our will and our desires will, will surely begin to change. They will be altered by our spirit. You will find that, that the person that is spirit-driven is going to be a person that's going to have a growing peace in their thought process and a growing peace in their emotions. They're going to be a little less disturbed by the things of life. Good evidence of this would be the apostles. Look at their lives early on. Peter, John, even John, he was my, one of my favorite apostles, right? Called a son of thunder because he wanted to torch people because they weren't nice to him. Boy, do I identify with this guy, Right? But what happened began and later in life was known as the apostle of love. And when people did all kinds of horrible things to him, I mean bad things, like boiled him in oil and stuck him on an island and all kinds of nasty stuff, you don't see him cursing. You don't see him worried. You don't see him troubled. You don't see him filled with rage and hate and bitterness. He's not this, this perpetual victim that's just waiting for the world to beat him down. We find that even the apostle John in his life, he went from a man that was very, very volatile to a man that was known for a great amount of peace. There was a deep soul-level health that, his, that, he was, that he was brought to, and that because he knew his Lord, and he worshiped his Lord in, his, in every part of his life. And the longer he walked with him, the longer that health was restored to his soul and his heart and his mind was guarded in Christ Jesus. John was just a fisherman, a person like me and you. The promises of God are not just out there for the special few, they're for us. Is your mind at war? Is your, is your heart troubled all the time? God gives us an answer. It's an invitation that we can come to him that we can focus on what He has for us. We could set our, 
our desires on, on Him, the mind governed by the Spirit is peace. And that peace that He gives us within doesn't just stop there. It moves on. It actually impacts our bodies. There is a, a lot of science that's coming out now that our emotions impact our bodies. Big time. People who live with lots of anxiety, people that live with lots of anger, people who live with lots of unforgiveness have lots of health problems. It's real. That when you are at peace, something happens like this. And it feels so good, doesn't it? Now, just think about the last time somebody irritated you. What happened? Like that. You can't live like that. And God gives us a chance to say it's a peace that surpasses understanding, not a peace when the world is at peace, but you will be at peace in this world, regardless of what's happening in this world. And the thing is, is that as we learn to walk and live in that peace, we learn to walk in forgiveness for other people. We don't have this, this bitterness, this rage that just works within us, right? We begin to give up this, to temporary things of this world, giving them over to God, knowing that He's our provision. Then we get a little less worked up when the stock market and the economies and the politics go up and down and around. We know God's in control. So we live at peace. And the world can be a storm, but God holds us because we know he's our provider. We know he's our protector. We know he has purpose for us even today. It changes how we live. And have you ever noticed how much easier it is to get along with somebody when they're not trying to punch you? It's easier to make peace with somebody who's not always on the defense, who's not always ready for war. Which is why this peace within gives us peace with others. Let's not forget, my brothers and sisters, that when Jesus was born, the declaration the angels made, right, was that they had good news. That God was declaring a great peace. This is our Lord, the Prince of Peace. You know, this inner peace that we have, it's, it's, when it's inside of our lives, allows us to reach out as agents of peace in this world. I can make peace with people who will never make peace with me. And I can do that because I have amazing power of grace and forgiveness. Now, I can extend grace to other people because I have received a great amount of grace from my God. He doesn't hold all of my wrongs against me. He took all of God's deserved wrath for me, and he took it on himself, so I wouldn't have to face that. Who am I now to say, well, you must suffer because you did something wrong for me? Who is that? I have a peace now. I have the ability to forgive people, not because they deserve it, because rarely do people deserve to be forgiven. They've done something wrong. I can forgive because I have been forgiven. I have hope for people who in this world nobody else would have hope for because I know my God is in control and he cares for people, even weirdos like me. He loves weirdos like other people too. He hasn't given up on anybody. And so the people in this world that are rough and are difficult or hard, I'm not all worried and, and torn up about. Are they not in God's hand as well? I pray for them. I serve them, but I don't have to go to war with them. And therefore, I can be a person that lives at peace. I can forgive. 
I can show mercy. I can show kindness. I can love even my enemies. And if you are in Christ, so can you. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And this was part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as he starts out the great declaration of the kingdom. This is a privilege that we get to be. And this is the evidence of, of one of the things we are with God is that we are the people who bring peace into this world. Now, oftentimes we get it backwards, don't we? We think that if we can have peace with other people, we will have inner peace. And when we have inner peace, then we will be at a strong place spiritually that we can then work on having peace with God. We'll be good religious people. It never worked that way. It can't work that way. That, that the peace with others, the peace in this world that we have, is the result first with the peace that we have with God. That allows us to have this peace within, that gives us the capacity to have the kind of love that we need so that we can declare peace with others. And therefore, right after this passage, Jesus then says that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And what does he mean by that? Well, we are the ones that declare God's peace into this world. The salt of the earth is, is this. Salt is, is something that would go against and stop decay. And our world is in spiritual and moral decay. And Christians are sent to be out there not to, to avoid the decay, but to go and to slow it down. So that people are not in such an unhealthy relationship with their God and with others. But salt also makes things better. Have you ever had to go on a low-salt diet? Talk about near-death experience. That's horrible. Right? Salt is amazing. It makes food come alive. And the result of God sending his people in this world is supposed to enhance the world. That you are God's blessing to the community that you are his peacemakers, that you go and make the lives of others around us richer. Salt also, it, it takes away and fights infection. I think that's something amazing that it does. Light also, it, it, it illuminates what is, what is there so that way people stop tripping over stuff. Isn't it nice that we have lights? You can see the world as it is. This is what we get to do. But light also shines. And God said the way that we shine his goodness is through good works. To all people, even those who, who are still at enmity with, with God. That we show them these good works so that they can see who God truly is and praise their heavenly Father. So that they themselves too can come to a healthy relationship, restored in peace with God. Saved by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So, as Romans 14 says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. This is the privilege that we have, a benefit of, of working with Christ, of following him. That our lives, our efforts are to, to draw people closer to God, to live at peace. We're not to be here to go and to, to bring a sword. That God's wrath is real, and he's big enough to fight his own battles. But he's caused us and called us to go out and make every effort to bring people back to God. And with each other, mutual edification. To help each other restore that mind. Because all of us are in that tension. Am I going to live according to the flesh? Or am I going to live according to the spirit? And sometimes we, we don't know. We have each other to help. And say, no, 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 the spirit's good. Let's try that. And so, our perk that we have to live in is peace. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a gift? 
that we have a peace that God bought us so that we can have a peace with him, restored us fully. We are justified. We are redeemed. We are propitiated. A peace that, that then guards our hearts and minds. A peace that dwells deep within us. A peace then that can come through us so that we can be his bringers of peace to this world. This is not just a blessing and a perk for you. This is a perk for everybody. So how do you live it? On your connection cards, I have four things I want to challenge you to do this week to live this peace and to walk within it. And the first thing I want you to do is I want you to memorize Ephesians 1.3. Why? Because praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. You understand that, that all those promises that we have are yours. It's not just that you got some of the promises, that God has some kids that he's like, yeah, I'll give them all of my blessings and other ones like you and not. It's not how it is, that he has given you his promise, that his provision, his protection is over you. His peace is for you. Memorize that passage and, and think about it so you can live and have your mind governed by the things of the Spirit and not by the craziness of this world. Something else I'm going to challenge you to do is read Romans chapters 1 through 3. Why? Because that passage, more than any other, shows how deeply <laughs> in depravity the world has been and how amazing it is what God has done for us to bring us these terms of peace. It's an amazing passage. Three chapters. Third thing I'm going to challenge us to do today is to pray about and I'm going to have a blank there, so it's on your connection card, and there's something that you need to pray about because it's, we're supposed to bring to God all of our prayers, right, in all kinds of situations. There is something that's going on that's causing you trouble that you are disturbed by. Bring it to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make a declaration now that you're going to bring these things to God. So the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And if you write it down on your card, then I will know what it is so I can pray for you as well, and I will join you in that. And the last one is there's forgive and there's a blank because if there is somebody or something in your life that you're holding on to as, as a grudge, you're not forgiving, you're having a hard time forgiving, put it down there and release it. Let that be one of the steps that you have saying, God, I'm giving this over to you because I want to stop being at war with others and I want to make sure that I have this peace. And remember this, that forgiveness is not an event, it is a process. It takes a lot of time, but you've got to lay it down. But if you would like to start taking those steps, you're going to start finding greater and greater peace, a peace that surpasses everything that's going to guard your heart and mind, a peace that's going to extend out so you can be God's peacemaker in this world. So four things. Memorize Ephesians 1 through 3. Read Romans 1 through 3. Pray about what is it you need to pray about and forgive who it needs you to forgive. I'm going to give you a moment to put that on your connection card, and then right after that, I'm going to step back there behind the bass, and then we're going to sing a song of commitment. At that time, I'm going to encourage you, please take those connection cards, put it in the offering basket along with your prayer requests, and in, in your, your, uh, and your offerings to God as those are passed. And make this your first offering of, your of yourself back to God this week. All right, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we deserve wrath, but you gave us peace because you love us. Thank you. And thank you that you didn't just give us peace between us and you, but that peace also, it, it gives us a peace within. Father, I ask and I pray that you would bless this congregation with that peace, that you would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And if there's any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any worry, any way that we're focusing and having our minds governed by the things of this world, that you would give us the grace to be freed from those this morning so that we can live for you. We can experience that peace and then also have the privilege of being your bearers of peace in this world. Father, take these commitments we've made and help us to walk closer to you through them. Father, take our offerings as well and build your kingdom in us and through us and for your glory. We pray in the powerful name of our mighty Prince of Peace, Jesus. Amen.